Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is someone who always tends to offer infernal contracts, Ben Bumhoff. You know, and that last one was one of the best ones I had. I still can't believe you didn't sign it. You know, uh, you need to get better at hiding the fine, 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 fine print. Look, I only followed the rules of the Santa Claus. I figured it's kind of a little bit fair, but uh, no, you're probably right. How many microscope lenses do you need to go in to? I mean, you're you're five deep. it's, It's too far. Who would have thought that you had four microscopes? Yeah, it's it comes in handy when reviewing infernal contracts. Yeah, I but how are you doing? Doing pretty good, actually. Yeah, got to play D anD D last weekend. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. So much stuff on the horizon. I mean, like it's it's a great time right now. Absolutely, it really great. is. It really is, and we're gonna talk about one of those. Well, hopefully great times to, to <laughs> kick <laughs> to kick the show off um and we figured this this probably warranted its own segment because a lot of this will probably have to do with the future of D in general um and some of the stuff that's going to be going on with it so uh big news this week i believe it was announced on it was late either late last week or early this week um that Wizards of the Coast, which is a uh, parent company for Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. is acquiring D&D Beyond. And so you might say, what? I thought they were already owned. A lot of Wizards people of the said Coast. that. <laughs> a lot of people thought that. And, you know, you're not wrong to think that because, boy, howdy, that it seemed like they were probably one thing Anyways, because mm-hmm. it was kind of the one-stop shop, but no, it was actually owned by uh, the parent company Fandom, and they were only only had a license to do the D and D stuff. Yeah, but, and so I mean, this is a big deal. With that license, they put in so much work, so much time, so much effort, and had a lot of pretty good features and everything with just the license for it. So no wonder everybody thought that, you know, they were actually owned by Wizards of the Coast. And I mean, and that is honestly one of the reasons for the people who did know it wasn't owned by them, uh, that they were, there's some people who are a little leery of really going all in on D&D Beyond. Because as we all know, when things are licensed, if the license gets pulled, you can get screwed. (laughs) Yeah, just a tiny bit. Like... Oh, I don't know, you and I who happen to have, you know, every digital book on D&D Beyond. Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is definitely so, one of those things where it's like, I hope this license never goes away because I will have nothing after that. Yeah. And so, no, this for for people, people like us who have really invested uh, in D&D Beyond a lot for the the digital side of D&D. This is a in some ways, in a lot of ways, a huge like sigh of relief mm-hmm. because uh, literally in the press release, they say we have no plans to stop supporting D&D Beyond. There we go. That's, that's it. That's the topic. That's good. That's what I need to know. Yeah. So 
we talked a little bit at the beginning of the year about um, kind of what our hopes and dreams were. We talked a little bit uh, last year when it was announced because they're they're doing the kind of revamp, the you know five point five e, so to speak. They've never used words like that. Um, all it, it is is kind of like you know the the revamp will be backwards compatible, and so a lot of people have branded it five point five e. Um, because it may be something similar to how they did three five back in the day. Yeah. We don't know, and it's still two years away. So exactly, it's 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 a long ways away. But as part of that announcement, one of the big things was uh, the next evolution of D and D digital. And so a lot of people were worried that Wizards was going to try and develop their own version of D and D Beyond, and then in that big 2024 revamp, rebrand, rework, they were going to introduce their own version and then we'd all be screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But uh, you know what? I think smarter minds prevailed or maybe this was the plan the whole time. But, you know, why develop something and, you know, from the ground up when there's already the perfect model for you right there to acquire? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And this was this was a very very smart decision by Wizards of the Coast. Of course, it's yet to be determined if this will be good for consumers. I think most likely it will be. Yeah, uh, it will certainly be good for anybody who has a heavy investment in D and D Beyond currently. Um, but I think it's it's going to be one of those things because, uh, as many people know, Adam Bradford, who basically founded D&D Beyond mm-hmm. and got a lot of this stuff rolling in the first place, he left to go to Demiplane where he's doing a, something similar with basically other systems. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I've noticed, um, especially since he left is development and, and, and I could be wrong, but development seems to have slowed down some. And I watched a dev stream recently and they talked about how they're really doing a ton of work and it's possible this is why we haven't seen a ton of like new features come out in the last six months to a year they're doing a lot of work redoing a lot of the way they do data on the back end and so it makes me wonder how long this type of deal or these rumblings is potentially simmering because it makes a lot of sense to rework your backend to make data ingestion easier, especially if they're being acquired. And now they're going to be privy to all the really early stuff versus fandom who only got the stuff a few weeks early mm-hmm. to, to put in an ad. And so I, I think that's that's like one really, really big piece yeah. of it. Because, I mean, we talked about it before when they stopped putting in the Unearthed Arcana. It was just time yep. that was used that, it, you know, it's good for a short amount of time, but apparently all that work is kind of nullified once the either the um, the Unarthurkana is retired or if it's brought in via, you know, one of the, the source books or, or whatever. So by them kind of stopping that and able to kind of work on the infrastructure and everything, um, especially if it makes, you know, like you said, uh you know, a a different information source available. And, you know, if they did know about that acquisition coming, there's a really good chance that they're, they changed everything in order to support all that future info. And I absolutely love that because, 
uh, one of the things I would like to see is just an Arthur kind of back. Yeah. No, I think I think a, a lot tiny of people little thing, but I'd I think a it. lot of people would like to see that for sure. And I think this honestly, this will be better in a lot of ways simply because they will be owned by the maker now. Because mm-hmm. if you look at it from fandom's perspective, if I were someone at fandom, I would not necessarily want to pump massive amounts of resources into this site because at some point I could lose the license. And then a lot of that work and a lot of that capital and such down the drain. Yeah. But even more so, you know, what if edition six came out? Would there be as much of a call for all this five E information? Yeah. And would they get the license for 6E? Maybe not. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe Wizards would have done their own thing. So from fandom's perspective, a slowing down of content makes sense because they're just a license holder. Yeah. However, now that Wizards own it, owns it, it makes sense for them to pump a lot of resources into it and really up the budget, up the people power of getting the site because now... They can turn that this is the official, like legitimately official tool, not just the licensed official tool of D&D for digital. And so now they can really put that money and that effort into developing this, knowing that it won't go away and they'll be able to use it in perpetuity. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, too, you know, one of the key things about fifth edition is how user friendly and easy it is. And the fact that fandom had made D&D Beyond just as, if not more so, user-friendly and and helpful to, you know, all of the 5th edition books and, and uh, games and everything. So, you know, whenever I bring someone new into D&D, I'm just like, hey, we're going to make a character. We're just go on this website. Um, we're going to just kind of go through, tick the boxes that you need to, choose some things. I'll, I'll explain along the way uh, what some of the stuff means, but the fact that... They have like, say you pick a race and a class, you have a small amount of information to choose from as opposed to, okay, I've got this book. What do I do now? I mean, Um, just walkthroughs are invaluable. Exactly. And the the fact that D&D Beyond has gone through and added more things like, I mean, yeah, digital dice. Technically, you never need to buy digital dice because, you know, you have one default set, you're fine, but they look pretty. And then, you know, you you get to join in all the dice hoarding. But um, other things that they've added, like the encounter builder, it has been just so useful in my own game. Like I've completely scrapped the way I used to do combat and now I use that encounter builder. Yeah, that's all I use now. And it's super easy to keep track of. Um, they've got it to the point now, even where like characters, like their health actually changes real time now, which is one of the greatest things. If there's death yes. saves being thrown, they just need to click it on their sheet and it shows up on your encounter builder, which that blew my mind when that happened. That That's awesome. But just the ease of stuff is great. And I think that helps just push Wizards idea behind fifth edition of We've got everything all in one spot. Let's add more to it. Yeah. And honestly, and it was really cool because they did they did reveal a little bit numbers wise. There are over 10 million registered users Holy for D&D Beyond. Wow. That's 
significant. That is very significant as far as a user base that was as the coast is acquiring for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so it'll be interesting too. And so now that we've kind of talked about the framework piece of it a little bit, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about potentially some of the benefits that we could see and throw out some of the benefits that we'd like to see because um, there's a there's a lot of potential for this, uh, especially with the 2024 rework coming yeah. up. Now, before we say anything, none of this is confirmed. None of this has even been announced or anything like that. This is just hopes, dreams, and things that we would love to see incorporated. And of course, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention one of the biggest things, which is digital included with physical. Yeah. That, that's literally the first thing I saw from that's first thought in my mind when, when they got acquired. I don't know exactly how it would work. Um, it's very unlikely that we will see digital codes necessarily inside of physical books because they're very easy to steal yeah. um, by just opening the book <laughs> or rubbing off the, the little uh, <laughs> scratch scratch thing. But hopefully through D&D Beyond, whether I buy the physical book through D&D Beyond storefront and it comes with a digital version mm-hmm. with it or through some sort of subscription thing or potentially maybe even working with the uh, friend, your friendly local game stores to provide them with codes to give out when someone buys the book. That's not necessarily possible with Amazon or with like borders or Barnes and Noble or, you know, whatever. No, that I, totally is. Think about if you've ever um, pre-ordered a game or something like that, you, you get that, you know, codes and stuff, at least with Amazon and, and other websites. So something like that is doable. That's fair. That's fair. That's uh, and it, it just depends how much you want to scale it. But yeah, there are ways. There are ways you could do it. Even if you wanted to make it a friendly local game store exclusive, that would be great. Where it, you buy it through DMD Beyond, and then you auto get the digital copy, or you go to your friendly local game store, and they're provided with codes for a digital copy. There are ways to do it mm-hmm. that it, beyond just let's put a code in the back of the book. Like that's that that probably won't happen. That probably won't work. But there are there are certainly ways and I would love to see that happen um, because there are a lot of other companies that do that, especially like you look at Kickstarters. A lot of these Kickstarters, uh, the physical book comes with PDF. Yeah, almost all of them, almost all of them do. And so I'd love to see start seeing that with the with the official stuff. But, I mean, if they repackage the books to the point where they're sealed maybe i can see that but that one of the great things about actually looking at it in the store is you know flipping through and everything being able to flip through it yeah Uh, it'd be kind of sucky to lose lose the ability to do that yeah sorry mine went on a tangent (laughs) yeah no 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 there there are ways there are there are certainly ways it could be done like mm-hmm. it is, it is not impossible. So that is definitely something I would like to see done um, in the future. Probably it probably won't happen this year, but it's something I would love to see with the books mm-hmm. starting next year. Um, another big thing, if we're talking about it, D and D Beyond had a really big roadmap at the beginning, um, and it kind of disappeared. And that was 
kind of a lot of the like I haven't seen super significant development for the past six months or so. And so one of the things I or one of the few of the things I really want to see now that Wizards own it and hopefully they will be pumping a lot more resources into it to really fully develop this thing. Virtual tabletop. Yeah, that's the other other big thing. Like. Just just think of. Here is a virtual tabletop integrated in D&D Beyond with the character sheet, with the encounter builder. Like being and then being able to do all of that real time and see all of that real time. Who knows? Potentially spell effects that go off that you don't have to put in yourself because they're official. Like most of the stuff, most of the virtual tabletops like Roll20 or Foundry, if you want to do any of that extra cool stuff, you have to really put in some work to do that. Yeah. And for Foundry, if you want to integrate those character sheets, you got to do some work. Yeah. But even more so, again, if Wizards really wants a one-stop shop, they need to to look at different things that people are using, whether it's, um, you know, using Discord for communication or, again, Roll20 for maps or, or, or something else along those lines. They've already got your dice there. Like I said, digital dice, that's there. Character sheets are there. You've got your encounter builder there. The next step really is some sort of virtual tabletop. And I mean, we've, we've used roll 20. We've used uh, um, like foundry and stuff. Owlbear rodeo. It's a very simplistic, you know, virtual tabletop, which, you know, when I need to, I use it. And just having something just at least minimum to start off with, with that would just be a huge godsend, especially if it incorporated, you know, just the character information and everything right there. And heck, if you can just see a die roll going across the thing at the same time, that'd be kind of cool too, you know? Well, just think about that with integrations. I, I imagine a time when I go to D&D Beyond, I buy the module, all the maps for the module are in the VTT. Yep. All the encounters are set up in their own thing in the encounter builder for that module for that campaign. When I I can just set that campaign to Waterdeep Dragon Heist, boom, I have all my list of VTT maps that could that came with the book. I have all the encounters in the book, boom, just instantly prepared yeah. for me and then I can tweak things as needed and then I just run it. Like I can't imagine how, from just an accessibility standpoint, how much that would improve things. DM prep time will go from 10 hours to like three. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's wild. And so, and then along with the VTT, a virtual DM screen, a single pane of glass, kind of like the encounter tracker, but far more useful, mm-hmm. where I can see all the characters, I can put encounters together on the fly. I have rules and such over here. I have initiative tracked, like all I have statuses and all the information that I would have behind DM screen. I have a one shop, one stop shop webpage that has everything for that campaign. That'd be great. And then I can customize it. It's just like this column on the left these are my all the condition rules. So I have super easy access. I just glance, boom. That's all the condition rules. All the damage type types and, and charts. 
encounter builder, all the characters, you know, mm-hmm. uh, NPCs, like here's, here's just my notes list of names or heck it's a random name generator. I just clicked the drop down for the, the race and I clicked generate. Oh, that'd be so amazing. Like just on my D- virtual DM screen, like there's so much cool stuff you could integrate into that and have it be incredibly useful for the DM. And then along with the the virtual tabletop and then all the players having their own character sheets with everything integrated. And I mean, they can go a step further with that, especially if they can get all that integration in with a VTT and stuff, then characters can actually cast stuff and have status effects affect them for a certain amount of rounds. Mm-hmm. Like I could cast, I could click the button to cast a concentration spell and it'll boom, throw on the little concentration status on the character. Yeah. Like, and then if it takes damage, a prompt calls, uh, pops up or concentration check. Yeah. Yeah. I throw bless out. It throws bless on three people and they have a little notifier on their character screen did you need to roll bless just pops up every time that's their turn yeah or did you forget to roll bless or can you imagine how great it'd be for bards just be like you have an inspiration yeah exactly like there's so much cool integration you could do when it's all on the same platform so all that is all that is super cool um and i think it has a very good chance of being actually accomplished now yeah that if, if maybe under it, fandom it wouldn't be some of it in the very least yeah yeah I mean, some of it in the very least with, with the the encounter builder right now some of that's kind of you know starting to track and everything anyway so i would love to see it at least jump to that first for you know different status effects or something like that it, you know it it would be incredibly helpful to begin with i mean how many times have you forgotten that the mummy that they're fighting it actually just got hit by a um uh shoot i forgot that spell name um the 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 cleric one that guiding bolt it just got hit by guiding bolt yeah so it it has advantage on attacks against it right now it's like just something tiny like that it 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 it, i mean dnd beyond's done a great job helping dms already and i think with wizards behind it they're really going to be able to push and and help with that as well as the players themselves. Yeah. A one one thing I'd love to see from them get a really big glow up is their homebrew system. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a full scale like wizard walkthrough UI like homebrew system that allowed for a lot more allowed you to create your own resource types, maybe allowed you even to create your own custom classes mm-hmm. versus just just subclasses. Um, and then just a full overhaul of the UI to make it far more user friendly. It's rough right now. It's rough. I've been, it's it's yeah, it's what they use, apparently. Yeah. Making monsters, making items, uh, making, you know, races and stuff. It It's not the easiest, most in, intuitive thing to do. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've used it quite a bit and there are times where I'm like, okay, great. This isn't working exactly as I want it. So I'm just going to add do it this? more in the description or type more in the description yep. and then just hope that someone remembers like, yeah, sure. It has two charges, but there's two different effects and they each have a different charge and, and, and all this other stuff. And 
Yeah. Yeah, no. And the same goes for the monster creator, right? Mm -hmm. One of the big things D&D Beyond used to have on the roadmap was a monster creator that used wizard's math in the background to make monsters, to make your own monsters. That never materialized or hasn't as of yet. This is something I want to see, again, with a very accessible UI uh, and an accessible walkthrough to be able to create my own things and then have it make it exactly like I want it and then have it generate the CR for it. Oh, that'd be great. Cause yeah, via the math, in the background, there's no way to balance a CR right now for a homebrew monster. It's like, um, I'm just going to say it's CR five because yeah, you just got to guess based on what you built it off of. Cause they're fighting level fives. So yeah. CR, CR five. Yeah. It should be a 20, then, but you know, yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm really ho- I, I'd love to see that. And then finally, I think one of the, biggest things beyond the the virtual tabletop and the you know digital and physical book thing third parties Mm -hmm. i want to i i i think wizards will be making an absolutely massive mistake if they do not allow for third party licensing uh and or dm's guild Potentially with some sort of threshold, like you know, gold sellers and above can can get in, or you know, whatever. Uh, but having some sort of licensing to allow third party stuff to be on D and D Beyond, Two C Gaming, Cobalt Press, MCDM, there are several others. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just the big ones that come to mind uh, that are that are third party, but. A, uh, a lot of these things would be amazing in D&D Beyond because there's so many third parties that are making so much awesome content and having that available to get digitally and then integrate into this whole huge system that I'm using, I would definitely love to support <laughs> those companies again, yeah. at least at least picking and choosing my favorites and having them available in that format. Well, in the very least I could see because giving them a license is a little um, challenging because wizards and D and D they still have, you know, the, the IP ownership that they have to protect. What I can see them happening, which I think would actually be really cool though, is let's say um, you buy uh, something from the DMs guild and like you were saying, depending on the level of it or, or something um, they have, or they, they have development tools that Wizards gives DMs Guild and, and everything like that so that you can create all of your encounters and everything in there um, so that it can exactly. at least be they like... They give them the tools yeah, to format it. So that it could be like loaded into at least the homebrew section, but it's locked unless you buy it from the DMs Guild. So yeah. that way it's not, you know, official material, but it's still well, incorporated I mean, we've in already there. We've already got toggles, right? We've already yeah. got toggles for Critical Role, for Rick and Morty, for uh, Adventure Zone. They easily, easily could do a third party toggle for content and basically be like, you can here's here's the format. You have to put your your content in for ingestion into D&D Beyond. Wizards takes a you know 20 or 30 percent cut of all sales that you make on D&D Beyond and boom yeah something like that could be cool 
give me that. Like, <laughs> I want, I, I'm selfish. I really want these, mon- I really want my third party monster books on D&D Beyond because it is a pain. To well, put them in to the be testament. fair, you want all of your kickstarted stuff that you've backed. Um, 100%. 100%. That is that is very much what I want. And I think and I think uh Wizards would be would be silly and le- be leaving so much money on the table to not support something like that. Yeah, it, and I, I really way. hope they do. Because yeah. they've done actually a really good job of embracing the community and like what is community like more so than like DMs guild and in other places like that, that they're creating content in a world where wizards can only put out so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the content, like we've seen multiple million plus dollar five E kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, this is big. Like this is this is not something, and, and I really hope Wizards takes the stance. Is this is that's not something you want to alienate. Yeah, that's exactly. not something you want to cut off. You want to allow those types of things entrance into your official digital storefront slash you know tool set. And I think fandom couldn't do that oh no because they were only holding licensed yeah exactly and so they never had you never saw third-party stuff beyond critical role stuff um and these very select few things that were official wizards thing like the rick and morty thing like the adventure zone thing because they were a licensee they did not control what they could put on and whatnot but now that wizards is doing this and they know there's this huge vibrant third party ecosystem my hope is they will provide some way for that ecosystem to get into their digital that would be great and i mean also if you if you think about it too uh it'll be interesting i i'm hoping we see uh the free ogl license updated for 2024 as well and the content uh, that it covers expanded. Mm-hmm. I think that would be super huge, and that would be a big boon to the community as well, because it hasn't been updated in maybe maybe since it came out. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. But uh, I'm hoping that is something that will come with the 2024 is a revamp and a and adding to that free um, that free OGL or whatever it is licensing. I think that'd be really nice. I agree. Um, we did get some questions, two questions uh, from listeners on this specific topic. So I wanted to cover those real quick before we jumped into our next segment. Uh, the first one being uh, what, if any perks do you think could be added to subscribers with this new merger? Wow. Like, It'll never happen, but I would love it if you just got the books <laughs> like digitally or at least access to them. If you're like, you know, a, a certain level of, of uh subscriber, like I, I'm the highest level that I can get right now. And, you know, that's very helpful because it does allow me to have, you know, as many characters as I need. Cause you know, I create a bunch of different characters for, you know, 
one-offs um you know as an npc that's going to be running around with them and you're with the players and stuff like that for you know a session or two um but having the idea of you know before i i ended up uh you know buying all the books clicking on something and then saying oh you need to buy this book in order to unlock you know just looking at what this item is and stuff i'm just like that's a bit of a bummer but you know, if they added like a, uh, I don't know, like a 10 or $15 sub per month and I was guaranteed all the books, I might upgrade to that as opposed to buying them going mm-hmm. forward. I could totally see another tier of subscription happening that just unlocked the digital, con- all the digital content on the on the thing, mm-hmm. uh, even the ones you didn't own while the subscription was going on. Um, I could totally see that that being added as another another level. Yeah, it'd be nice. Not going to lie. It'd be nice. Like mm-hmm. the the sub perks that we get right now, like, you know, how each month we get like a new background or, um, you know, a frame for your characters and stuff like that. Like, it's cool. But I mean, how often are you going in and changing all your backgrounds and and frames and everything? Not you know? not super awesome uh, or not super often. Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> that actually we we already talked about the second question a lot, which is what feature do you want to see added? Um, one feature I'd love to see added is the ability to have uh, specific digital dice for specific characters. Yes, that is the tiniest thing, but tiniest thing. I have so many different dice that I would love to be able to be like, oh, well, you know, my Memento Mori dice are going to be for this really creepy rabbit that I made. Um, uh-huh. The the Icewind Dale dice that I have that I have the physical versions of, I'm going to add them to my plus five to hit character because we're running through Rhyme of the Ross Maiden. Um, these dragon dice, they're going to go for my dragonborn character who I haven't made yet. You know, it's, it'd be great. Yep. So I'm, I'm hoping that comes fairly soon because yeah, that'd be, that'd be, super it's, awesome. it's, it's tiny. That's all we ask. Yep. Although it's I just, mean, just a little thing. at the same time, it's probably, you know, space on a database somewhere that this character is this dice. And then for the people who really abuse the highest level of subscription, who have like hundreds of characters, that table gets a little bigger. But meh. Who knows? It's just data. It's data. Storage is cheap. Yeah. Um, Move it to the cloud. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so that's, in a nutshell, that's kind of our take. That's, uh, That's kind of all about, and that's kind of the hopes and dreams. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Don't don't expect anything. In the next quarter or two, probably, because these types of things, um, strategic directions and stuff, take uh, take time. But I would expect, I would hope, for a very, a very productive next year for D and D Beyond. Yeah, I I would say that. Yeah. All I'm right. Excited. Yeah, very excited. So let's jump into our second topic. We're going to do just a short little monster fixer segment tonight because hey. it's been it's been a little while. Um, and we're going to be talking about devils and do a little monster fixer for a few devils. Hey, um, yeah, uh, there's there are a few interesting devils. Uh, there are a few devils that have some interesting stuff to them. However, they could be more interesting. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I wanted to start off with the just the baseline, the lemur. 
So these lemurs, if you you don't know, uh, it's like very super basic, like lowest end devil. They they have a CR of zero. Um, and a lemur arises when a mortal soul is twisted by evil and banished to the nine hells for eternity. The lowest type of devil. They're repugnant, shapeless creatures doomed to suffer torment until they are promoted to a higher form of devil, most commonly an imp. I think Ben's actually going to talk about the the imp a little bit too. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Um, <laughs> so so with this, they they're they're incredibly basic. Um, they have a, this hellish rejuvenation that lets them get hit points back uh, when they're in the nine hells. Uh, and they have a little melee fist attack. And so one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking of this character, um, I, I kind of thought, you know, a pack tactics type thing would be super interesting for these. Because these are almost like cannon fodder in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. The cannon fodder of, of, of the hells. Um, and so I came up with this, uh, this move called uh, Howls of the Damned. And so when lemurs get within a certain distance of each other, say like 10 feet. uh, So this is not something a single one can do, but it's something they can do when they kind of get closer, come together as a group. They can use their reaction when they get close enough to each other to emit these howls of torturous pain and suffering, which causes any characters within a 10 or 15 foot radius of any of them who are linked and doing using this reaction chain uh, to make a charisma saving throw. And if they fail, they suffer disadvantage on everything for the next turn. Yeah, I can see that. That's kind of cool. So it's, it's kind of like a little pack tactics type thing when they get close to each other um, and it rewards using like using them in bulk mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And potentially, depending on how many there are, you might be making several saving throws, even though the say the DC for a lemur is probably 12 or 13. Um, all it and takes so, is one. Yeah, all it takes is one. And so it's a it's a great way to be able to use low very low cr things to potentially be a disruption or an annoyance during a much larger fight yeah and uh i i didn't really work out uh too much of a uh math on this one but uh just based on the fact that it's like the description alone is they're like molten flesh kind of um why don't they yeah throw smother on there you know just have it just you know, like a wave, just go up and and try to smother uh, um, the, your your players. That's hideous and gross and disgusting. Uh, but you know, hold them in place at least for like a I don't know a turn or two, uh, if they're able to you know uh, fail the 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 dex check to get out of the way or something. Um, yeah, they don't even need to take damage; just have them be smothered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for get sure. Get them out of the fight. Uh, what about you, Ben? What do you uh, What do you got? Well, I did uh, upgrade the lemur to an imp. Um, now, I mean, imps Excellent. are a very deserved promotion. Yeah, I, th- I thought so. I thought so. Um, yeah, so basically, 
imps are you know kind of what you would expect like a little demony looking thing with wings that's got a scorpion tail on it and stuff uh they're usually you know they're like the the i guess the second lowest rung on the ladder can if the lemurs are the lowest rung like or they're just the ground um but yeah imps they're they're usually like running errands for uh their masters um misleading you know mortals doing other random stuff um yeah they they proudly serve their masters and they can't be relied upon with speed or efficiency is kind of what it says um the neat thing about imps though is that they can uh like uh polymorph into a beast that's like essentially a rat a raven or a spider kind of at will there's no you know bonus action there's no action to it it's just they're a shape changer they can do that absolutely love that i think that's awesome um they also aren't impeded by devils or by magical darkness and they actually do have resistance um so any spells that have a saving throw attached they actually get advantage on it so they're a little bit uh tougher than lemurs they are a challenge rating of one but they still only have you know like basically a a, a bite or a sting attack and like that's kind of it uh, there's a little bit of poison involved but I thought that we can have a little bit more fun with it. Now they are actually able to turn invisible as well. So again, you know, they're at least kind of interesting low level things, but I thought it'd be kind of more interesting if they're able to do like a shadow step, like going, jumping from one shadow to another, kind of giving them the ability to kind of dance around and, you know, pester your players um, through, through combat, you know, while avoiding opportunity attacks. Exactly. Um, it's just one of those things where I, I picture imps as being annoying little things as opposed to really like, uh, you know, scary. They're, they're going to kill us all. I mean, if you're swarmed by them, yeah, you've got issues, but you know, finding a couple imps just, you know, kind of pestering. They're like demonic versions of fairies in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like that idea because especially with the way opportunity attacks work, um, as a DM, especially, or even as a player, it can kind of make you not want to move as much mm-hmm. so that you don't have the opportunity attack. So having certain things uh, that can force more dynamic movement in a fight and are things that avoid opportunity attacks uh, can make things a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and then on top of that, too, I thought, you know, what if we were able, instead of the poison, uh, we're able to give them kind of a, a crowd control kind of thing. So I thought demons that are little, they jump around, they annoy. What if we gave it like a cackle? And uh, again, you know, low saving throw, 12, 13, something like that. Wisdom saving throw. If you fail it, you're stunned till the end of the imp's next turn. So it's not something that lasts a long time because I hate that. I hate it as a DM. I hate it as a player. I don't really enjoy that type of gameplay where it's a long drawn out stun. So I'm like, yeah, give them a, you know, they miss a turn. Yeah. I think that could be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm a much bigger. And as, as I've played more and I've DM more, I am a much bigger fan of single turn stuns mm-hmm. than I am of the minute long save every time. Yeah. Stuns. Because I think it's it it's more fun for the player, and it still has an, a noticeable impact on the on the game and on the battle. But it doesn't remove the player from combat, especially if the player has very horrible 
con saves. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I just figure, you know, give them a, a couple extra abilities there. It I think it spices them up a little more. Uh, again, imps are kind of interesting to begin with, but this gives you just a little bit more utility with it, especially if you're running multiple at a time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's really, really interesting. Um, uh, I had one more that I was kind of thinking of that I wanted to do. Oh, yeah. And we're jumping up quite a bit from an imp. <laughs> <laughs> uh i wanted to talk about the chain devil oh because oh, okay. uh, there's there's some interesting stuff so these are cr8s so these could actually be uh a mini boss potentially depending on the the level of the party and such um so they've got they've got some interesting things uh they basically have a multi-attack where they you you know attack with two of their chains uh and then they could potentially grapple you and restrain you and take a little bit of damage at the turn. And then they have this animate change thing they can do after a short or long rest where they can basically animate chains and use them to do extra attacks. Uh, just more attacks. Uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to give them a recharge, like a, a dice recharge type of attack or a villain action, so to speak. And I say that because we'll be talking a little bit about uh, villain action monsters in our community content shout out. Uh, this is something that uh, is is uh, something that MCDM Matt Colville is known for in a lot of their books uh, action. And we talked about this before, I think, with the, with the video action oriented mm -hmm. monsters um, that give a little more spice and pizzazz and things that uh, the monsters can do during combat. So um, you could do easily have something that was a villain action that you did one round or potentially a, a four to six or a five to six recharge, like an all shall suffer where basically anybody within a 60 foot radius chain shoot out of the ground and try and grab them and hold them. And then as a bonus action on subsequent turns, anybody who's been ensnared, and of course there's an escape DC and stuff, you can either damage the chains enough to break them or be strong enough to get out of them. But maybe as a bonus action on subsequent turns, the chain devil can then move those chains around as they see fit within a certain area. Or I love combat displacement. Dude, I absolutely love it. If, if it shoots out of the ground, have them pull them under as well. Yeah. Under is a direction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like just like something, something like that. Something where uh, all of a sudden there's more things you have to deal with. Oh, no, I escaped, but I have two friends that are not very strong. And they're getting yanked all over the place. They're taking extra damage. Uh, and they're being moved towards all the rest of the monsters. When we're trying to shoot them from over here, all of a sudden, what we thought might have been pretty easy has turned into a much more hectic, frantic fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Freaking Scorpion. Why does he have to throw that, that hook? Exactly. And so I think that there's just so much stuff like that that you can do. And that's just a, like a single, a single thing that you could, that could be a villain action one round or just like a recharge 
uh, like a, a four to six type recharge um, that the Chain Devil could do that just all of a sudden make combat much more dynamic mm-hmm. and more interesting than it would have been before. Definitely. That's really so, cool. I like that. Yeah. So just, just kind of think about that uh, with the theming. It's it's honestly, these types of things are, are honestly fairly easy to add. If you just look at a monster and go, okay, what's the theme? And what could I do that is cool that would just fit into that theme? And that's that's kind of uh, the way we we approach a lot of these things when we're when we're doing monster fixer or in our own games when we want to spice uh, a one of the uh, official monsters up or exactly. something like that. Yeah, it's not hard. Yeah, just find some fun with it. Yeah, just find some fun with it. Um, next, just real quick, uh, there is going to be. Uh, we are recording this, of course, on Wednesdays as we usually do. Tomorrow, April 21st, there is going to be a D&D Direct uh, streaming. I think it's like 30 minutes long. It's going to be streaming on YouTube, Twitch, on the official D&D channels. They're going to talk a bunch about all the upcoming D&D things. Yes. So video games, the movie, maybe TV shows, and then, of course, upcoming books. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get some D&D Beyond type type announcements in there too but it's basically the whole here's the next kind of year of D&D um is kind of what it sounds like and so of course since we're recording this on Wednesday we can't talk about it yet yeah. because it hasn't happened but by the time it come this comes out on Monday it'll already have happened so because we had a lot of other stuff to talk about we're just going to wait until next episode and have give ourselves the time to digest everything yep. that's announced because I'm sure there will be supplementary stuff that comes out that's there always is. beyond beyond just the yeah just the the 30 minute episode that airs and so we'll we'll dedicate a segment to the D&D direct announcements uh in our next episode yes i am very much looking forward to it and uh we'll we'll see what comes of it yeah i'm <laughs> I, I assume uh, that there's there's strong hints, and we'll see if these these are right. I guess uh, come Monday, this could be outdated. Who knows? Uh, there are strong hints we may get some uh, Spelljammer slash Dragonlance type stuff. Maybe setting books, maybe adventures. Um, we have Radiant Citadel that we already know of that's coming out in June. We have mm-hmm. uh, the standalone version of the Monsters of the Multiverse that is coming out next month in May. Finally. <clears throat> Finally. <laughs> so we already know those two. And so that means there's probably at least another two books that will be coming out before the end of the year. Uh, and so it's possible we might find out what those those next uh two books are uh as this as this comes we might uh apparently whiz kids was talking about it so we might see some new mini announcements um that's yeah, always it's, fun it's just all things all things D uh we'll apparently hear a little bit about the movie that's coming out next year gosh i hope it's good <laughs> <laughs> really i want it to be i want it to be good yeah i want it to be good <clears throat> yeah i mean gosh video games are always a plus but uh, as Ryan and I have kind of talked offline uh, about, for some reason, video games are very restrictive when you're really into D&D. 
It's true. Which is one of the reasons I'm very much looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3. Because even though it'll have restrictions too, by golly, they are trying. (laughs) (laughs) They seem to be trying. And apparently we're going to hear some more about Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, very uh, good. On the the D&D Direct as well. So, yeah, I'm super, super pumped for all the announcements. And like I said, we'll talk about them next time. Perfect. Um, finally, our community content shout out, as I alluded to, is Flea Mortals, which is <laughs> the MCDM monster book, which is currently uh, going through their Kickstarter. There is 11 days to go right now. So we will have a link in the show notes. So you will still have several days um, after this episode airs to go check it out if you're interested in backing it. Um, it's already hit. It only had two stretch goals. Well, two <coughs> book theme stretch goals already hit both of them. It's at one point, um, basically 1.5 million already. People love monsters, apparently, what? especially <laughs> especially MCDM's brand of monsters, which uh, they they have. They are very much in line with uh, the philosophy I take of make monsters fun. Yeah. And which which I absolutely love. And so it's going to be a collection of both classic monsters. Uh, they actually, I believe Matt actually said in the video, he wants this book to be able to replace your monster manual. Ooh. And so that you could basically just swap them out. So there will be um, monsters from the manual like goblins, ogres, giants, dragons, that type of thing, all built with their action-oriented and villain-action-type thinking in mind. Yeah. And then they'll have some all-new ones as well, of course, that they will be creating themselves. Well, of course. No, that sounds very, very cool, actually. It's uh, So you can actually download a preview of it, and it's like 24 pages of preview, you can see some of the like uh, all the different types of goblins. Uh, they have minion rules, which are super cool. They've brought back apparently a lot of the uh, they, they're bringing back a lot of the 4E um, kind of labeling. And so they're labeling they have like uh, like ambusher or skirmisher or artillery or, you know, front line or tank, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like these, these things to, so that you can look at the monster sat block and go, Oh, this is an artillerist and should be played as such. And there's a description of all the different labels at the front of the book. And so I, I love the idea. I, I, I love the idea. And honestly, I hope wizards takes a look at this and goes, Oh, we should do more of this for the 2024 rework. Um, I think it would be super nice. And they've got a lot of smart people over there at uh, Wizards and MCDM. So hopefully uh, it can be a learning experience for everybody. But a lot of their stuff, uh, the the previews free, you can download it on the Kickstarter page. It's super cool. Like the full minion rules are in the preview uh, and are good. amazing and highly recommended. So Definitely check that out. They already hit their stretch goals, basically um, layers with like villain actions and the action oriented layers and then uh, rival adventuring parties. So they're going to create seven different rival adventuring parties at every other level between level three and 15. Like five characters each with all their own stuff 
that you could throw into a game. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like that. And, and seriously, what one of the neat things about this is, is that it does change and open up and, and makes things a lot more interesting and just not humdrum. You know, that's, again, one of the reasons why we do the Monster Fixer. Just, you know, spice up some stuff that people might have seen a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. So if that sounds interesting to you, like I said, we'll have the link in the show notes. There should be several days left after this episode comes out that you can still go back it if you want. Exactly. Um, I think that uh, that brings us to the end. So as always, before we go, uh we talk a little bit about what we're doing in our games. So Ben, I know you're excited because you played recently. Yes. Why don't you tell us uh, how yours, your campaign is going? Well, um, the party, you know, teleported out of the, uh, the lost dwarven city. We started the session up with them in the teleportation circle in trade more, which was a lot of fun because they just started talking about stuff and we're excited and, and, and trying to discuss what they should do next. And, then that's when I reminded them that they're still standing on the teleportation circle and the people who kind of guarded are like, are you going to leave? Um, that was fun. Anyways, so as they kind of went through, um, they got more information about where the paladin's um, kind of like artifact weapon is, except because of what they just went through, they kind of decided that maybe they're going to take a little bit of, of downtime before they actually uh, go out and get the weapon which was a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought they'd be going towards that. So I did what any good DM does. I had other stuff in motion that started coming into play. There is, gosh, it's hard to really break it all down because it's a lot of info and I'm not going to do that to the audience because they're obviously not in the game. But uh, long story short... (laughs) Um, as they went to the, the, the person who gave them their quest in the first place, they gave him some artifacts and everything. Um, before he came into the room, he said goodbye to a visitor who happened to be from one of my players backstories. Um, he's kind of a really bad guy that, uh, they, they ended up, uh, you know, kind of working with for a while and turns out that this bad guy is the queen's advisor, which who would have thought that someone who was, you know, smuggling weapons and stuff for a, a, a faction in a war and everything would would turn out to be in such a high place in the kingdom. So they did a little bit of digging, did some scrying. Um, the bard went and, and talked to some of the contacts that she's been able to to build up throughout the, the city, um, as well as our paladin went and just talked to the, the, the captain of the guards because, you know, they've made such a name for themselves in this city. They're they're very popular you know they saved it from vampires you know the the story of them spreading all over the place so they were able to find out that yes it, it is the queen's advisor he's been with her for years um and in fact they, they talked about how you know she was found in kind of like the the lower you know kind of bad side of the tracks area of the city and stuff and then the 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 current king you know met her they fell in love almost immediately it was you know like magic love and first sight and uh absolutely fantastic and amazing you know they they've they've grown together um and then that's when they kind of started talking about when the previous king died from you know some sort of like poisoning mysterious uh uh, uh or mysterious circumstances that you know could be disease could be poison we're not entirely sure um which kind of 
clued into our sorcerer who, you know, previously worked with this bad guy, um, whose father had died from some sort of, you know, mysterious disease, maybe poison. Um, in fact, our cleric's father, who's coming to this trade summit, uh, he was put into power when his predecessor died from some sort of, you know, mysterious disease and poison. So they're starting to see this web kind of appear uh, about something's going on. They're not entirely sure what, um, but it seems a, suspicious to a me. little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, they decided to go ahead and scry on him, see what they can find, you know, with, with him not knowing because um, this guy didn't notice the sorcerer. So no idea of who he is um, or that he's in town or, you know, even though their stories around, they've all gone by just first names. It's a first name basis. So, you know, there's a lot of this person's name out in the world. You know, why would it, it's not a Bort situation where, you know, it's, it's very distinct and everybody knows who Bort is, but, um, they scried dude, uh, you know, talked, said something to the, the queen walked into his office, closed the door, opened up a secret kind of uh, compartment, another room and started praying to Tiamat which not exactly the best kind of god seems not great seems a little fishy something something's going on in this town something more so than than they thought who knows we'll find out later because we've got two weeks until a trade summit and apparently they're going to be spending it in town. So it's going to be fun. I'm really excited uh, that I've been able to kind of kick the kick off this story arc. That's super exciting. I know you've been waiting for this for a while. I know. I, again, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Find a DM friend who's not in your game because Ryan knows a lot of stuff that's going on. You got to talk about stuff. You got to talk about yes. stuff. We, we literally spent an hour before we recorded this <laughs> catching each other up with all the crap that we're going to be doing. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. <clears throat> but uh, yeah. So speaking of all the crap that you're going to be doing, um, <laughs> you you run two games. You've been busy. What's going I on? I do run two games and both of them have happened oh, since okay. uh, the last time the last time we talked. Uh, so it's fun. My... Um, my first campaign uh, just recently had their their session, and we're we're kind of wrapping up the current arc. Uh, they had the huge battle, and they had the uh, you know the the death, and were able to to bring bring their their party member back. And yeah. so basically, they spent this last session kind of um, investigating uh, the area where they were in. They found this lab that ended up belonging to a uh, villain, a green dragon that they had encountered way back when. Oh, man. <clears throat> uh, and they found out, found a, uh, a ruined journal, and they got, uh, I was able to drop a bunch of lore, and they're able to kind of find out a lot more stuff about him and some of the stuff he's up to. And so <clears throat> whether and when they want to go after that or if they want to pull on that thread is available now. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what that ends up looking like but uh they were they were they survived thankfully and we're gonna be moving into the next session as a big downtime session probably several weeks maybe a month oh um, okay time 
where they can kind of do what they want. So basically right now I'm gathering from the players, hey, what do you want to do during this few weeks of free time, essentially? Yeah. Uh, like, what do you want to spend your money on? What do you want to investigate? What do you want to do? That sort of thing. And so they're starting to to ping me back about the different things they want to do. So I'll be putting together the session based on that. And then we'll be kind of doing little uh, montages, I guess, hop around mm-hmm. uh, to the different characters or different groups of characters, depending on what they want to do and and where they want to go. We'll role play out some moments. We'll talk and narrate out some other ones. Uh, It should be really fun. Uh, Most of the downtime sessions I've done have always ended up being pretty interesting, uh, especially from story perspectives. Yeah. So I'm excited to to do that one before we hop into whatever the next uh, arc will, will end up being, depending on what they decide to do. Very cool. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's fun. And then my, my second campaign is currently, uh, they decided the gem mine, they wanted to go sabotage and they are on their way. Uh, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the thing. Uh, oh, they hired, they hired a group of, uh, warforged named Methan and there's four Methans. Okay. And they kind of share a consciousness, kind of. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's 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 a very fun character characters, so to speak. Uh, they hired them to be crew on their ship. They're heading out to go pretty much uh, try and close down the operation of this powerful house uh, at this gem mine and potentially free a gem dragon that is being uh, held and harvested or it's uh, powerful, more powerful versions of the gems that exist in the mines. That's very cool. Uh, So hopefully they can do that and maybe maybe get an ally out of it. On the way, though, (coughs) they they were revisited by a black, young black dragon friend that they sabotaged in the jungle. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, uh, ended up uh, kind of capturing them a little bit. Uh, almost stole all their stuff, uh, but they ended up getting free enough uh, to attack him um, and uh, kind of drive him up to the top of their, their airship where his help was waiting. Ooh. And then they shoved all the help off the side of the airship through a series of ridiculously good rolls. And so the entire encounter became much, much easier uh, then it would have been yeah, I because think so he had no backup. Uh, and so he ended up trying to cut a deal with them and the party's uh, the party's artificer was not having it because he has kind of a cursed book that he has to do a check every day for to see how attached he is to it. Mm. He was very attached to it that day. And the dragon had taken it from him. Oh, that's and not so good. he was in he was in no mood for shenanigans. So he did this massive inflict wounds that just just like ruined him. And so the rest of the party <laughs> were able to finish him off uh, as he was trying to negotiate and uh, ended up ended up killing him. So uh, that kind of wrapped up that that little that little loose thread 
uh, that could have gone many different ways, but it was it was kind of cool the way the way it did end up going. So next session they're going to be heading to the mine, and we'll see we'll see how that plays out. Very cool. Sounds like you've got a lot uh, coming up that's going to be just loads of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for for both my games. It's it's <laughs> they've been a blast. The players are awesome. Um, it's it's really a lot. They've really allowed me to flex my uh, creative and uh, definitely improv muscles uh, in many circumstances. So uh, I'm I'm excited for for what's coming. As I am excited for you and what you think. Yeah. Again, always know what's going on in the rest of the world in case the players decide to do something different. Exactly. Well, that is it for us. Um, fantastic uh, talking to you as always, Ben. Uh, well, but before you. we go, why don't you let everybody else know where they can reach us if they have comments or questions? You bet. Um, we love hearing from you. If you have uh, some, you know, really quick things that you want to just kind of toss out at us, uh, we are on Twitter. You can find us at DN Discussions. Um, you know, if you want to tell us some of the features that you're hoping are going to come to D&D Beyond or uh, you just want to give us your reactions to the live stream that's going to be happening, because, uh, again, we have no idea. We'll find out what's going to be there. Um, but anyways, uh, you can find Ryan on Twitter. He is at TBKZord. Uh, I am on Twitter. I am at Ben Bumhofer. Um, now, if you're looking for something a little bit more long form that you want to send us or you have uh, discussion ideas or topics, anything along those lines, you can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Now, if you want to know what happens when you put a whole bunch of level sixes against a, a, a dragon listen to the newest episode of plus five to hit it's going to be coming out shortly because oh my gosh we had we had a pretty I was sweating. Great session yeah i was sweating it was a very a very very tense very tense session yeah i had your back and i was terrified so yeah find out what happens uh plus five to hit we love playing that game and we'd love it if you uh took a listen you know you might like it i know i do uh, anyways, uh, dndiscussions.com is where you can find every single episode of DN Discussions, as well as on all of your podcast players of choice. And uh, you know what? If you like us, write us a review. Let people know that you like us. We, we've yeah. had a, a couple tweets where we've been recommended to people, and we appreciate those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell your friends. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, we will be back... Uh, with our next uh, bi-monthly episode in two weeks or so. And until then, see you soon. Yep. Hope you enjoy the live stream and be good to each other. Take care now. <laughs>